The Chicago Bears may not be dead yet. Suddenly, they're a 2-5 and five team taking on one of the, uh, Nick, let's call it one of the more complicated opponents in the NFL in a Los Angeles Chargers team that's brimming with talent, but injuries and questionable coaching decisions seem to keep holding them back. Can this new look Bears team actually steal a win on Sunday night? What happened last Sunday against the Raiders? Those two topics and plenty more on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? My name is Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of Dub Bears blog, here with my co-host, Nick Whalen. Nick, what a wonderful night to be talking about football. How you doing? Yeah, man. I mean, it's uh, coming off a win and there's good news on the injury report, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bad news on there, too. But uh, yeah, I mean, Bears win, Packers lose, draft pick positions still all good. I mean, things are all good here. So tell me how you're feeling about that, by the way. Weeks removed from it. We're on the second podcast. Nobody's coming to this podcast. We love you listeners. We love all of you. But nobody's about to flame us for talking about exactly how we feel. How are you balancing right now? The maybe losing could help the organization, but also watching a win is objectively more fun. Like, how do you balance the two? I'm I'm fine as long as – because we're seeing progression from players – and knowing that we have Carolina's pick and it's getting even more distance, which Kyler Murray, by the way, everybody, full participant today in practice. Oh, yeah. And Arizona's the only one win team in the NFL, which helps more. Like, I'm okay with it. I If the Bears even end up with six, seven wins, I'm okay with it because that means that Braxton Jones and Darnell Wright and Jalen Johnson, hopefully he signs, et cetera, like have continued to progress and play well. And then you entered the number one pick. It's kind of the best of both worlds. Right. I mean, to use an example, in week five, it was easy to have quiet backroom conversations about, oh, if the Bears are if the Bears are going to lose a bunch of games, then maybe they could get one and two. If they could get one and two, do you know what they could do for this franchise? But thinking thinking a little further in or thinking into what that would look like, Nick. That would probably mean the team was just awful. Like, it's the NFL. And with DJ Moore playing the football that he is, with Darnell Wright playing the football that he is, there is an element of you were trying to have your cake and eat it too if you wanted. Let me list off a couple things. You wanted Darnell Wright to be good. You wanted Kyler Gordon to show that he's got the stuff. You wanted Tyreek Stevenson to take a strong step forward. You wanted these rookie defensive linemen to develop a little bit. You wanted Darnell Wright to show that he was well worth a first-round pick. You wanted one of the quarterbacks, both of the quarterbacks, to kind of show you like at least a little something that you could grab onto. You wanted Tyler Scott to develop. You wanted Roshan Johnson to develop. You wanted the offensive line to stabilize. Man, if these things happen- The free agent additions to show something, you know, all those guys. If these things happened, and many of them have so far, winning is actually pretty unavoidable given how easy the Bears' schedule is. Like, Mm -hmm. if they were playing more teams at the level of the Lions, the Buccaneers, honestly, like the Bucs are a perfect example, the Falcons, the Saints, some teams that are coming up later, that would be one thing. But they didn't. They played the Brian Hoyer-led Raiders. And if you don't mind a tiny little breakdown, because I know we we always tend to go over the last game a little bit, man, the film made Hoyer look way worse than I remembered him playing on Sunday. Like... The Raiders were getting sold at the quarterback position. And that's fine. Yeah. That happens sometimes. But it was stark <laughs> watching yeah. him. So 
So I, I have a I have a trivia question, but I'm gonna wait on that because okay. okay, kind of what you're talking about. I there was a um, uh, I don't know if you subscribe to the Athletic. Um, I do. I I recommend anyone to do it. It's very cheap, mm -hmm. and they have great writing over there for literally everything. Like it's not just Bears. You want to? It's awesome. Go read about the the Cubs or the Sox or the Blackhawks, you know, or whatever. But Kevin Fishbane had this graphic because he talked about the the turnaround of the defense, which I think has been the biggest turnaround so far. And it's really, really drastic. Now I know Denver and the Raiders and Washington aren't juggernauts on offense. No. And, and honestly, for being very, very honest, Green Bay and the Buccaneers aren't juggernauts on offense either. No, that but was part of the what the city is to your point. That's, that's a huge part of what made the bears offense so bad in those first couple weeks is that they didn't do what like take the Patriots, right? The Patriots have now played Buffalo. Uh, I don't know if they've played them twice. For some reason, my brain keeps telling me they have, I don't know who the first team to blow out the Patriots like 38 to three was, but it happened two weeks back to back. And then right. like plenty of teams, including the Patriots, I think this weekend play the, uh, the dolphins. That's never any fun. For anybody, compare that to the Bears, who've played, what, the Buccaneers, who just scored 13 points last week, I think, at least under 20. The Packers, who can't seem to score points in the first three quarters of any game. The They played the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs are really good. The Broncos had a better offense against certainly us uh, than anybody else mm -hmm. so far, outside of maybe Washington. Like the, the offenses the Bears were allowing everything to were pretty bad. Right, but right. then they get a couple more pretty bad offenses. Right. And they, yeah. And, they, and they've, they've turned around. So there's a lot of stats and, you know, I think people will believe in whatever stats they want to believe in. Okay. I'm not going to hear to tell you, like, you have to think of, you know, cause there's some people that are like, it's DVOA. That's the only thing you can look at or EPA, but right. So he, he puts together this graphic and the bears went from, and I'll do this quickly for the listeners, but for EPA, uh, the Bears, the first four weeks were 31st in the NFL in terms of defense. And the last three weeks, they were third. Um, yards per carry, 10th the first four weeks, then they were first. Passer rating for quarterbacks, 31st the first four weeks, then 14th recently. Um, yards per attempt, 31st and now third. Um, sacks, this one is, I mean, I know the Sam Howell game really helps this one. Sacks, they were 32nd from four weeks, and then they were tied for seventh the last three weeks. Um, With what number? You have to say the number of oh, sacks, sacks, which eight is sacks. hilarious that that right. makes you seventh in the NFL, bringing down two weeks of three quarterbacks and one week of two. Like, yep. is yep. the NFL just not sacking guys? Separate conversation. No, I know. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. I mean, third down percentage, which is key. We talked about this in our post-game episode, which was huge in the Massive. win over the Raiders. Massive. 32nd to third. I mean, just everything. Points per game. 31st the last three weeks tied for sixth. I mean, it has been such a big turnaround on defense. And we talked about this. Some of those guys, I mean, it felt like Billings was the only guy playing well early on. Jalen Johnson, too. And now... Right. The linebackers have come together. Walker's playing better. Gordon's back. I mean, it, it's all kind of coming together, but I think that's a huge part of this season. And talking about how is the how are the Bears going to be the rest of the year, I think this next game is really going to tell us a lot, like whether this oh, defense yeah. is not bad 
or it was three really bad offenses. And it's so funny, too, because, Nick, you talked about a bunch of players stepping up. There's this very easy theory to latch on to if you're a very optimistic Bears fan. And if you are, this is awesome. I'm so happy for you. I really am. Where people look and they go, oh, well, when was the defense bad? Well, when Allen Williams was the DC and immediately afterwards, Allen Williams leaves, Matt Eberflus finally gets his secondary back and now they're balling. Here's the thing, Nick. If I said I don't believe that story, would would you believe me? Because at least what I've seen so far is that the defense didn't change. Like weeks one through five, weeks one to seven, honestly, there are a bunch of the calls. On first down, we're going to call a cover two zone. On second and long, we're going to get Tampa too. The difference is, is that Matt Eberflus seems like he figured out that he can't call zone anymore on third down. And so they're playing a lot more, not a ton, but a lot more compared to the Eberflus era, man coverage. And and blitzing too. And they're doing man blitzes behind that because they know they can't get pressure and they figure they might as well. And you know what, Nick? It turns out that a big, long corner that wears number 29 named Tyreek Stevenson, he can get you a down or two in man Mm -hmm. coverage. And that big, long corner wearing number 33, he's kind of a beast when it comes to man coverage. Dude. They're winning downs that you can tell these offenses are straight up surprised that they're not able to get conversions off of because Devontae Adams is standing there looking for a flag on a second and 18 that Tyreek Stevenson runs the route for him and bats the ball away. Like early in the first quarter, Tyreek Stevenson comes up with like three passing stops by himself. And then you've Mm -hmm. got... They, honestly, if there's anything I want to credit the coaching staff with, it's that a lot of the role-playing guys, Greg Stroman, he's been playing really good ball. Jalen Jones, when he gets in the game, has been an awesome dime or like dime corner that takes on tight ends. Kyler Gordon is flying around in the nickel spot. Like Credit to the way the coaching staff has developed a lot of the individual players, but it has been a schematic shift for Matt Eberflus to go away yep. from. You know this is the highest blitz rate? So far, the 2023 Chicago Bears, it's not by much, but the Indianapolis blitz rate never got above about 22%. Right now, sitting at 23.5%. And I know for a fact, in week three, it was 18. So they've definitely blitzed more than they did starting around week four, week five. And it's bearing fruit. Honestly, it is. I assume that there's going to be an adjustment coming. I'm not trying to be a doomer. There's just a decent mm-hmm. chance that people keep prepping for the classical Matt Eberflus defense and kind of getting punched in the mouth when it is Eberflus version two. And it doesn't help anything, Nick, that if you really ch- if you really push me to say it, you didn't, so I want to say it anyways. Pivoting to more man is like the most basic shift in football. Right yeah. in in the world of are we going to call that super good coaching? Golf clap, golf clap for the shift. Right. We love right. shifting to what our right. players are good at. Well, well, I, but honestly, <laughs> like it's it's instead of doing you know quarters like or match right instead of doing the man eight to ten yards down the field now they're just doing it at two to three, which is better for it's our corners. Much better. It's more in the world of like is Flus winning me over with this? I don't know about that. We're gonna have to see. This you're getting closer itself. though. Well, I have to acknowledge a positive where I see a positive. Yep. I would argue with you, Nick, that it'll be really hard to win me back from a September that simply can't happen. 
Like year two, after you just got the first overall pick. Yes, I get it. Young team. Yes, I get it. Or you could argue, oh, these things take time to jail. Yes, people are obviously going to cite the 2022 Lions, right? But mm-hmm. like you needed a hotter start than that. And we can see the teams that we lost to weren't good. <laughs> like no. they that wasn't getting beaten by a tough schedule well, at the start of the to year. To be fair with how everyone's playing in the NFL, I mean, the Chiefs are good. Everyone else just like plays so up and down. I mean, Minnesota, we just saw Minnesota last week and you're like, man, Chicago should have beat them. And then they just, I mean, they should have just crushed the 49ers if they didn't kick field goals in the red zone. Like it should have been a blowout, honestly. <laughs> um, here's here's one more stat for you. And then I want to get to my trivia question. And then we'll probably dive deeper. Perfect. I, I, we talked about this before the season started. Our number one worry in this whole team was the rush defense allowing too much to then teams could do whatever on offense on second Mm -hmm. short and third short. I don't know if you look, did you look at, I have it on the show sheet. Did you look at where the the stats are on the bottom or no? Uh, I'm trying not to, because you said you had a trivia question and what can I say? And and this isn't it, but this is just another question. Uh Where do you think the bears defense ranks in terms of yards per carry allowed? Um, So I did see Kevin Fishbane's graphic, but overall I'm going to go with seventh. So, I mean, I hope I didn't get this incorrectly. I have them tied for first with, I think it's New England. That would be sick. At at 3.4 yards per carry allowed. They've done a good job against the run. They've done this all year. I mean, for anybody who's wondering, like, where's the whiplash, right? You have to remember what you were complaining about. You, the listener. What did you say at the water cooler? What did you say to your wife? What did you text your other Bears fan friends? You said, how do we keep giving up third and long? Let me ask you this, Nick. Does a d- team with a bad rush defense ever see third and long? Uh, No. No, they don't. The Bears rush defense has been doing this. Like, the, they have gotten surprisingly good play from number 97, Andrew Billings. Demarcus Walker has done a good job. And because... Uh, honestly, if you were going to give Justin Jones any credit, it's that he gets he can get waxed by most double teams, but at least the linebackers are walking around the second guy. So right. he's effectively keeping the linebackers clean, and now TJ Edwards is a little faster in the hole than he was at the start of the year, and boom, we got rush stops. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and, and also, we, and we talked about this, when, when the defense isn't on the field forever, they're fresh and they all play better like shocker. Like that's why you see defensive lines rotate all the time in any level of football, because the fresher they are, the better they play. And we're seeing a different Justin Jones when he's not just dead tired. And then, uh, uh, so to that same point of yards per carry, the last three weeks, Chicago was first in the NFL, 2.5 yards per carry. Right. Wow. I, I do think they ran into the right offenses. Because right. Washington doesn't run the ball that well, and then they were, uh, then they caught up with the Raiders, who inexplicably cannot get their ground game going, and they've well, been trying. All I heard is Josh Jacobs is going to go nuts. That's the, all I heard. And the then, people who told you that didn't read their own statistics. The Raiders oh, entered the game 29th in yards per carry, oh, and they sure looked like it uh, in that game. And then the week before that, let me see, Minnesota. Minnesota's had issues running their ball yep. all year long and ironically a bunch of the teams that they'd already played they're not great at running the ball either the chargers aren't great at running the ball 
Like no, they're not. We'll get to that. Yep. Like it's so funny when you look at this, where like you're saying, I mean, if you and I, Nick, were to go through the entire league and we were just to kind of objectively say good team, bad team, those are your only two options, right? We might name 20, 20, 20 to twenty one bad teams. Like there yes. are a bunch of teams in yeah. the NFL right now that mm-hmm. have not exactly brought it. And yep. that's going to happen sometimes. Well, well, early in the year, people thought Green Bay was going to be a good team, right? Two and one and, you know, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hold on. Oh, no, we talked about this, right? Like all these different podcasts that we listened to with people saying that the Green Bay Packers are about to be a 10 and 7, 11 and 6 team. That was, I think, always ridiculous. And, I mean, we made our own assumptions. We said yep. if they beat the Packers, the Bears will be blank. And yep. they didn't. And since mm-hmm. then, we have come to a sobering reality very quickly, right? But I know you got a Packers trivia question for me. I do. I'm, I'm itching at this one. This one is... What you got? What something. you got? Okay. So, you know, listeners too, you want to chime in. And if you're a Packers listener, you're listening to this. I'm from Wisconsin. So, you know. We care whatever. about you. We love you. Yeah, no yeah, Bears. Yeah. Screw the Packers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, welcome, welcome to life without a, a Hall of Fame quarterback like everyone else has. Okay. <laughs> The Packers have scored 20 or fewer points in four straight games. Yes. When is the last time Green Bay did that? Uh, man, 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 man. All right. That's a, that is a great question. If I had to guess, it was, do I have to give you the year? You, you can give me a range because, I mean, that's tough. That's very broad. I'm going to guess it was specifically 20, was it 14? Like, uh. So it's I'm guessing the McClellan injury, right? Where Shea breaks Rogers' collarbone oh, uh, in, yeah. back in 2013, 2014. And for a while there, they had to start. I don't remember if they started Hunley or Seneca Wallace, but they had to start it a backup. Was Scott Zine in there too or no? Well, I, he might have been. He might have been, but it, I don't think it was Flynn in this specific case. No. And no. and so that would be my guess is the last time Rodgers missed significant time. Mm. And, and he did miss time like several years. It's it's earlier than that. Oh, this maybe. might be, and again, this is tougher off the top of my head. This might be pre-Rodgers. Um, the it's, last time they scored mo- 20. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. When you say earlier, you mean, I, I thought you meant earlier as in it's more close to us. No. No, 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 no. Like, like it's been oh, sorry, that lo- long. Yeah, it's lo- been longer, yeah. that long. 2005 is the last time they scored 20 or fewer points. No way. Nick, you are pulling my leg. That is. Oh, my God. So you're telling me Jordan Love is that kid who broke the what? Like the high school's 72 like or 72 year like playoff streak at this rate. Like he's starting to snap records. Well, okay, Yes. And, And so to finish that off them. They did it six straight times that year to finish four and 12 that year. That shows you how bad that was. Right. But the thing with, and again, this isn't a Packers podcast, but the thing that's most shocking is the Packers have lost two in a row playing, what, the Raiders? And Denver held them to, what, 17 points? The same Denver defense that everyone is lighting up that's the worst statistically since 1980, whatever it is. It's funny you say that, right? What if I have a the I have a theory, Nick. I'm about to hit you with something that I cannot substantiate, other than a right. bunch of anecdotal stuff, right? Yeah. The scariest thing to be is pretty bad, but not the worst in the NFL. Because oh, yeah. something that isn't sustainable is when you are the worst, 
Denver was the worst defense for four to five weeks. Things were going to change. They were going to, to I, I don't know what they did against Green Bay. I can't pretend like I watched the whole game back on all 22 and broke it down, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But usually we see this trend. We've seen it with the Bears where you hit a point where you are so bad. Like the Bears were by nearly any metric, they were 30 or by nearly all metrics, they were the 31st worst defense in the NFL. Like right. the only reason they weren't is because you had this Broncos defense that was historically bad. So you're yeah. still going to hit your gut check, right? But, but, but you had talked about this philosophy on, or this theory on right. this podcast. Cause you said, well, you know what? Carolina at some point, isn't going to be so bad that they're going to get a win or two. Like you, you have the same thing. Yeah. It, I guess I'm consistent, but like you are, you it's, are consistent. it's more to say that like the, the Denver Broncos are rebounding a little. Maybe it's a dead cat bounce. Yeah. Do we care? No. I hope they win four games. <laughs> like no, no, they they won. Now now they have two wins and they beat Green Bay. It was like the best of both worlds. Exactly. And oh, I'll, but I it's it's getting into my brain now. I'm getting a little Roberty where I'm like, man, me. I need Green Bay to win a game or two because yeah, yeah, man. Now <laughs> now you're you're we've been doing this too long now already. Like where your thoughts are oh, yeah. creeping into my thoughts. It's Green Bay is dangerous because they keep losing guys. They just put uh, Eric Stokes, their second corner, on IR again. They can't get Jair, Jair Alexander too. out. They can't. They can't get Jair Alexander active. Like you mentioned, Darnell Savage. Green Bay made fun of him all season long. Yet the backup's not better, and so it doesn't help anything. I remember any positivity that I had because I had some minor positivity about. I basically talked about how the Green Bay offense has a bunch of talent. That it's gonna, it's not gonna blend well because they're mm-hmm. all so young and they're gonna yeah, they're screw young. up a bunch. Suddenly, everybody's writing that article this week. You're you're welcome, NFL world. But <laughs> no, uh, they, they dogged you for that one, man. I, I got dragged, and then it happened. And I mean, what could be funnier? I'm just saying. Yep. But so, yep. what doesn't help is that the linchpin of this Packers offense, the guy who was going to make it acceptable, cannot stay on the field. Yep. That's Christian Watson. Like, oh, I, I thought Aaron Jones. You can so, say him too. Jones too. Jones totally fits. I really appreciate you saying that because you're absolutely right. Aaron Jones is a stud with a capital S. But in the world of the passing game, Watson was your clear wide receiver one. He was the weapon that took a little heat off of Dobbs. And the moment that Watson isn't playing, he has no connection with Jordan Love. He hasn't practiced. He hasn't played. Like You know the craziest thing? So, so I don't know how much of the game you watched, but he... He got hurt like in that the last drive of the game, right? Like I can ask play, hurt his knee. He was a full participant today in practice. What I happened? was shocked. I thought it was like MCL. He'd be out like two weeks or something, but he's back. So I mean, I, it, I go to sleep. All right, so I got a bunch of stats like I normally do for this yes. Chargers Bears matchup. Oh, but before we get to that, I was gonna say before we get to that, you really we don't talk about the game from last week. I okay? know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I. I have maybe a hot take and, you know, Bears fans, I want you to know, okay. You know, I, I, I cheer on all of the Bears players, even, even Lucas Patrick. Okay. So I cheer on all of them to succeed my all 22 and I haven't, I haven't made a video yet, but it'll be coming out probably Friday. Actually, I don't work on Friday, so that'll give me some time to do it. Let's talk about Tyson Bajant. Okay. I'm a big Tyson Bajant fan. Preseason superstar. Well, I mean, I mean, first off, great story. Um, 
you know, beating out PJ Walker. We talked about it a ton, you know, led Chicago to a win. We talked about how the moment's not too big for him in terms of how, yes. how he handles himself, yes. how he operates, um, took it. He didn't do negative plays. The film said all of that stuff. Yes. However, Bears fans, how good did Tyson Bajant play? Now, in terms of just overall quarterbacking, if I if I had to give him a grade, A, B, C, you know, all the way on down, I probably give him C plus, B B minus. So I think. Can I? Do you mind if I jump in no, just a little? No, bit? go ahead. What what grade would you give him? That's the thing, right? I am not going to assign the same grade to Jair, or not Jair, sorry, Jatiri Carter. I'm not going to assign the same grade to Larry Borum as I am Nate Davis and Braxton Jones. Well, if you're you, picking you up to, on no. what I'm putting down. Yeah, not, but you have to, though. You but, have to, because it's because football's football, and then you could add in the context if you want. Which, uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I promise I do. But yeah. at the same time, if... Gardner Minshew enters the game. I'm expecting him to play a different type of ball right, than right. Anthony Richardson because yeah. I am a believer that you you have this group of quarterbacks, the rule breakers, right? The dynamos, the game changers, the game breakers, the starters, right? And there's not that many of them. Can we be so honest? There aren't 32 starters. In the I mean, NFL. I mean, I mean, like like game changers, like five. Then you have the fringe guys. Then you have, I mean. Oh, yeah. But I'm I mean, even talking like. Tough position, let's, let's use Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr and Jared Goff as examples of the guys where I'm not even, I'm not trying to talk necessarily exclusively about Josh Allen. Like there are some throws that Kirk Cousins will flick over the middle. The ball has velo. It nestles between two defenders and hits TJ Hawkinson in the hands, albeit he's diving. And the announcers have the gall to say, I can't believe Hawkinson didn't catch that. Why did they say it? Because they know how good a throw Kirk Cousins just made. Kirk Kirk Cousins played his best game against the Niners. I think in his whole career. His eyes, you you could just feel it. You know what I'm saying? He he was stepping up into pockets that were like collapsing and drilling his third or fourth read. I was like, oh my gosh. This is awesome quarterbacking. And I am a believer that while there are 32, okay, so I'm going to counter your hot take with a separate hot take. There there are 32 starting spots in the NFL. And I Mm -hmm. generally think that year to year, they are only inhabited by about the 22 of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. I believe that the 32nd best starter, the 31st best starter, through probably the 25th, 20, 24th best starter, are all backups on other teams. Like Andy Dalton can play. Andy Dalton is probably better than Desmond Ritter. In fact, I'm not going to wince that hard. I think he is. Like oh, he is. Carolina has a better quarterback on their bench. And yeah, well, I mean, Ty- Tyrod Taylor's out playing Daniel Jones right now. Same not thing. an uncommon Ty- Taylor Heineke rules for years. Nick Foles was a constant source of dubs for whatever team ended up needing him. Case Keenum, another story. We see this all the time, man. We're like a very good, just not great and not young quarterback will get relegated to a backup role. And it puts this, we have this stain we have this poisonous way we use the word, oh, he's a backup. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I it's like, it. oh my gosh, 
Tyson Bajan can become, I believe. Like, he could grow into being one of the 30 best quarterbacks in the NFL. I just have a hard time seeing him grow to being a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. And what well, you're talking about, where you're disappointed, are the plays that would maybe put him in that category. And no, he didn't make him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But well, there's so like uh, to your point, I think part of what makes um, the non-starters, we'll say, right? Um, I think do well when they go in at times too, or even like with Bajent, there's literally no pressure on the guy because he goes in like you're talking about Minshew. You're like, well, we'll see what we got. Instead of like you have to lead the franchise, like from from if I don't know people played in high school, you know, probably listen to this more than NFL guys. When, when in high school, I'm sure there are guys like either you or teammates that play better as juniors than they did as seniors. Because as juniors, you didn't have to be a captain. You didn't have to give the speeches. It's you different. didn't have to drag other guys along. You could just be there and just ball out. And there's not as much pressure, even if it's pressure you put on yourself. There's not as much pressure as is when you're the guy. You're the top pick. You're supposed to do this. You know, Jordan Love, you got to replace a Hall of Famer versus you talked about it. Matt Flynn just coming in last game of the season. Eh, who cares? Four six touchdowns. You and know, like so. So my issue with Bajent, I guess, in terms of things I think he could have done better with in the game. Just getting real technical. And we, I think we talked about this in the post game pod. There's kind of two different types of quarterbacks in terms of how they um, deal with pressure in the pocket. Right. You'll have the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's of the world, where they will step up into the pocket. Mm-hmm. And they'll feel that or they'll move just a little bit laterally. Then you have your Russell Wilsons and your Justin Fields and other other guys that they'll back out of the pocket. And Bajan backed out and he backed out into pressure multiple times. I thought he left the pocket way too early multiple times. If he steps up in the pocket, I have two more touchdowns on my chart. Do you have two more touchdowns in your chart? Well, I don't chart per se. I just go off of memory. But yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about... so just to walk everybody through it so you know we're not making stuff up, right? Yeah. The uh, the the play that Bajit stepped backwards, then Larry Borum's man got around his feet, and Bajit did a great job to induce a like a throwaway that was not intentional grounding. Kmet is wide well, great open. Great throw by that part of it, though. Yeah. Great job there. Great execution and situational management. Also, mm-hmm. if we step up in the pocket, Kmet's wide open in the corner of the end zone. They, 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 they're the switch release and i was like they oh, got him man they yep. got him you know luke gets was like it. except that's not what he said he said a different word uh <laughs> four letter uh, word <laughs> the, 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 the other one that i have is um in the end zone where he rolls out too quickly to the right and he overthrows Mooney, but if he steps up, Mooney's wide open on that crosser for a touchdown. I think it's so funny because he had Mooney uh, from the pocket. He has Mooney again when he rolls out if we can layer the ball, and yeah. we didn't do either. I was so surprised he didn't try it. But I really I, – I do want to take like a tiny little pause right here to point out how unbelievable it is that he looked competent enough for us to be mad about – not mad, but like for us to be picking these nits. Because oh, yeah. what you and I are talking about is comparing him to other dudes. We are not yeah. comparing him to shrimp and spot starters. I'm not yeah. comparing Tyson Bajan to Aiden O'Connell when I talk about these levels of execution. He's, because, he's better. Because he's better. he showed he can handle it. He yep. he did manage these situations really well. Was mm-hmm. the ball he threw to Tyler Scott over the middle anything special? Can we be the hot take podcast that says not really? 
there are 40 quarterbacks in the NFL that are not only going to find Tyler Scott wide open on that dig route, but they're also going to deliver. It's not even a layered throw, man. Like just, just throw normally to yep. Tyler Scott. Yep. Hit him. Yeah. But so many quarterbacks don't. Well, and, and part part of that's you're scared. You know, this, a lot of it isn't even quarterbacking. Sometimes you got to have the guts to throw downfield. I've, I've been in college, D1. Quarterbacks, they get in, and they're scared to throw the ball. And they're running, and they're just making dumb mistakes. He didn't make dumb mistakes. That was like his number one thing. And and again, I like Tyson Bajan. I'm just judging him off of like things he could have done better to well, make this a B or B-plus game. Let me, let me just like strip it all the way down to exactly what I bet you're going through, Nick. And that's that there's a whole bunch of people on various internet forums that have turned an objectively great UDFA quarterback backup role performance. They have taken what should, like our expectations should have been low. And Bajan, I think, massively over-delivered. He was an excellent version of what I expected him to be. He also threw for 160 yards and a 2.1 average depth of target, which was by far the lowest. Nobody else was lower than four uh, in terms of how far they did or didn't throw the ball down the field. And then a bunch of people have run with it and tried to make him out to be not only the starter, but the potential quarterback of the future. And hey, far be it from either of us. Let's just not be those guys who try to say exactly what Bajan isn't and tear him down in what should be an objective moment of celebration. The list of UDFA quarterbacks that have tried out for an NFL roster is long as hell. The the list of UDFA quarterbacks that made a roster is very short. The list of UDFA quarterbacks that not only made a roster, Dick, but they started a game. Not not even just played in a game. Started a game. That is very short. Mm -hmm. The list of UDFA quarterbacks that made an active roster, started a game, and won it? Oh, that is really, really, really short. I mean... not, not even that, Robert, because from a stat that I think was televised or I saw from somebody, he's the he's the only rookie quarterback to win his first start this year. That's hilarious. DJ Stroud, Bryce Young, so he he's the first one to win the game. Respect, and I mean, be the first game, his first start. Anyway. And I mean, to be fair, he got a lot of help. Like this was, I thought, Luke Getzey's far and away best game. Like yep. I thought, the offensive line brought it i know we joked about this after the pod but lucas patrick was fighting it's not he to say he was better. great he played better that's the thing like yeah. i if and if i had to guess as silly as we make it sound nick nobody responds better to challenge than a team lifting a quarterback up and yes. i don't mean that in like it Everybody's going to make that like, oh, well, Josh Allen doesn't need his team to, you know, lift up. Yeah, that's because Josh is lifting them up. That's the normal relationship with your starter. But like when your backup's in the game, everybody knows they got to go execute just that little bit better, right? You're going to run all your gadget plays. How many times can you really run the boot out to your right, throw back to your left screen with and still get that many guys open? Maybe one more time in three weeks. You know what I'm saying? Can Dante Foreman know where the sideline is on that play? (laughs) My gosh, you—he left both on on both of the times he tried to hurdle. By the way, in my mind, I'm like, man, can you just do a little side juke and stiff arm? You might go 80. Right. We we predicted this before the show. We talked about it after the show. Tyson, the simple existence of Tyson Bajan makes a lot of conversation shockingly toxic 
for no reason where people that objectively think Bajit played well are going to start flaming him because other people hearing Bajit played well are going to turn this into, so he's better than Justin Fields. And it's like, like today, no, he does some things better than Justin Fields. And the fact I I'll go this far with it, Nick, the fact that Tyson Bajit is being compared to Justin Fields is more of a negative for Fields than it is for Bajit, in my opinion, yep. because yep. I would argue it shouldn't be close. Like, right. nobody's going to compare Tyson Bajan to any other starter in the league outside of that guy in San Francisco who, <laughs> I got to tell you, if Tyson Bajan does un- unhook the uh, the limiter a little bit and throw the ball down the field, he will look an awful lot like Purdy in the good and the bad ways. Yeah. You know what I'm talking my, about? My favorite part of his, uh, his press conference was, and I don't know if you listened to it, the post-game one, was they asked him, like, well, you know, why did Nathan Peterman go in for the Hail Mary? You know, like, is it because, you know, you don't have arm strength or this or that? And he's like, oh, I got a cannon. And it was just like so natural that people just started laughing. And, but like, he's got moxie to him, you know? So, so oh, yeah. like, as you're saying, I'm not saying I don't like Tyson Bajan. Okay. On the record, this is going to be saved forever. I like Tyson Bajan. I mean, we need to see way more of him, just like San Francisco needs to see way more Brock Purdy, even after the playoff run. Because there was in the offseason, they signed Sam Darnold. Trey Lance might start. Like, there were still doubts there. Like, you need to see way more of a guy before you know if they're the answer or not. But what we do know right now is Tyson Bajant. We said this on Sunday. Tyson Bajant already is going to be a very good quality backup quarterback at a minimum. He could get better. Even if he has a bad game this week, who cares? He's already showed you he can lift the offense up enough for you to survive just like Chase Daniel, whatever, for four years. And that's that's such a value at his price at a salary. Like, we should be celebrating should and not be. getting into the, all these controversial stuff. Like, Amen. this is a very good thing that he played well. And that's that's like, that's from the football perspective. But for me, as like the, the Tyson Bajan, like, this is such a great story. And... Because you talked about like all the UDFA quarterbacks that you know did this, there's this. Isn't he the only D two quarterback in the NFL right now? Has to be. I mean, in the NFL right now. Like, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I don't like, even know how many D two quarterbacks there are at all. Like, like I'm, I'm excited for him as a person. Like he is living his dream after people have like said no to him. I mean, it's exactly. And, and people talk about Purdy. I mean, you go about Brady too. Like the Cinderella story. Like we want to cheer for those. So I'm still cheering for him. Absolutely. But he just has some things to clean up, which all quarterbacks do especially a rookie in his first start so oh, yeah i mean i'm excited for this sunday the perfect example in my opinion of stuff okay so every bears fan you can probably remember tyson bajan's first touchdown pass that we got in this game the throw to deontay foreman that didn't quite ice the game but dad it got it close like oh, yeah. huge play for the bears on that play cole Kmet is running a curl route and then darnell mooney is running a corner route behind the curl that Mooney corner is wide open. It is going to be hard to get a throw more open than that in the end zone. It's just kind of far, and it does involve going over the top of a corner. Tyson doesn't want to make this throw for whatever reason. I don't live in his brain. I won't speculate. So he checks it down to Deontay Foreman, who has to break a tackle to get into the end zone. The part where you break a tackle is simultaneously badass because Deontay Foreman played a Awesome football game, yeah, uh, uh, top to bottom. Yeah, but also it, you're not going to break that tackle every time, 
And nope. you can think of a million guys that you've watched. Kirk Cousins is going to come to mind for some of you, but a lot of other quarterbacks like Andy Dalton, like, I mean, I bet you could help me out with this, Nick, because there have been a million of them. Desmond Ritter, uh, younger quarterbacks do this a lot where on third and eight, they're going to check it down. And oh, yeah. they're going to get her. And that check down is going to start at six yards to go. He's going to have to break a tackle, maybe two to get a first down. Sometimes you get it. Sometimes you don't. Brian mm-hmm. Hoyer. Right. Yep. Well, well Cousins rush. did it in the playoff game last year. Again, people were disappointed. It was fourth and what like 15. And he throws a six yard pass to Hawkinson because mm-hmm. he's getting pressured and Jefferson's like triple teamed. And people are like, just throw it to Jefferson. It's like, if Hawkinson breaks the tackle, you're a genius. If he gets tackled short, you're an idiot. It's the same type of thing. And because that's the secret of quarterbacking, isn't it, Nick? Is that yeah. in the NFL, clinical quarterbacking generally only takes you so far. Unless you have the best team in football on that day. Clinical quarterbacking will eventually lose to the better team, right? Yeah. Like, if you if your running game doesn't get off the ground while you pound the rock, and your wide receivers don't block well as you kick out wide receiver quick screens and the quick game gets swallowed up slowly but surely, yeah, the quarterback's going to have nowhere to go. These starters that we hail so much, the what, what people hope that Drake may, what people hope that Caleb Williams could be is somebody who can break the rules, somebody who can put a ball into triple coverage to Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson that gives Justin Jefferson a chance on that play you're talking about to TJ Hawkinson, right? Yep. Like yep. that's the whole point. And, well, and, and that's why some of those guys get more chances because they have potential to be that guy versus the efficient guy, which, which by the way, my, is good my thing. Comp- efficiency is objectively good, like, yeah, yeah. but like you're talking about. And, and, and my bears comp. So people that have been bears fans for a long time and Robert, I don't know how long you've been. How long are you about to take me back? I, this is going to go away. This is going to go back to remember the Mike Brown back-to-back interception returns for touchdowns to win games. Yes, days? I was very young then, but like, okay. what is this? 2000, 2000 what? It's like two like thousand ish. Yeah. Oh man. Um, my my comp right now for Tyson Bajan is Shane Matthews. He's that type of quarterback where he's just super efficient. It's going to be short passes, but he's going to operate. He's going to do the right thing most right. of the time, but he's not going to like win you games with like amazing throws down the field. Like yeah. that's kind of what he reminds me of right now. But again, like you said, I mean, they, they put the training wheels on him, which I understand why. And, and they, they were still, winning. That's right. the and other thing. The, the, the rollout short in the field throws. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I hate this out to DJ Moore to convert. So it worked, but like, I want the training wheels off of him. The other thing we got to remember, Nick, and gosh, it disappoints me that we're about 40 minutes into the podcast before I mentioned this. This is so important, Bears fans. Nick, I think you're going to agree with this immediately. I hope so. Is you're talking about a rookie quarterback in his first start who after about halfway through the first quarter had a two-score lead with a defensive head coach that was in his OC's ear. You just know it saying, if you let this quarterback, this rookie, throw this game away, I am going to fire you as yeah. soon as this game is over. Don't well, you dare. The end of the first half, we saw that, right? Exactly. I mean, it's consistent, right? Mm-hmm. For as much as we would complain about it, no, this is this is not the situation. I'm not saying they're right for doing it, but they're going to look at you and say, there's no way this is the situation to do any throat stepping. If anything, they're stepping on their own throats just fine. And mm-hmm. we should just let them keep killing themselves right. <laughs> like and within and that, did it. why am i pointing this out because 
if you think about what Tyson Bajan did on Sunday negatively, you're going to say he never threw the ball down the field. If you want to phrase it positively, he basically operated as an extension of the run game for the entire game. And the Bears functionally never stopped running the ball. Right. He was a point guard. Like, he was a point guard in an attack that was more than comfortable grinding out yards. Will that work against everybody? Will that work against Los Angeles? Uh, probably not that easily. I mean, like, I mean, to, to make it more specific, Robert, he reminds me of like, it was like a point guard that never turned the ball over and he gave his, his guys an opportunity to score. Like if, if you keep doing that and you keep eliminating the negative, you're going to win more games than you're going to lose. But we do got to move on to other guys. Okay. So, I mean, to wrap it up, we both like Tyson Bajant. We thought oh, yeah. he played a, a great game for UDFA. We're we're glad he's a Chicago Bear, but crowning him <laughs> the next whatever is not where we're at right now. He has now. to show more than that if he's going to be in the legit starter conversation, especially yeah. since it may be a moot point with the way that the Panthers pick is shaping up. But again, conversation for another podcast. Now, mm-hmm. in how much longer? This is it. Just I'm hot questioning you on the pod. How much longer do you want to spend on this game before we talk about what could be a really intriguing Sunday night matchup? Honestly, not much. I have one other player I want to touch on that secretly impressed me. Say his name. Tyler Scott. Damn, I thought you were going to say Tyreek Stevenson. I thought for sure you were going to say Tyreek <laughs> Stevenson. <laughs> He's your guy. So, so there's like small things that I saw Tyler Scott doing, which you'll probably remember this. There, there was the scramble drill where he went upfield and mm-hmm. then broke back to the sideline. Mm-hmm. So you could tell he's like, I know I got to break back to my quarterback, yep. but I got to get vertical, and then I have to push into my guy. I don't know why my camera's going out right now. But anyways, um, and it allowed separation for Bajan to get the ball in there, which mm-hmm. I was like, that's a, an amazing, like, just small veteran move that you're doing as a rookie. And, you know, he need, he needs to use his hands on that crosser that he caught and a few other things. But, like, I thought overall it was just such a great um, game for him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, Nick. And I'll tell you, I always think it's hilarious when people – so when people nitpick catching form – because everybody talked, everybody wants to be a critic. I'm a critic a lot. And everybody will just suddenly up and talk about how, oh, Tyler Scott's not a natural receiver. He's got to catch that with his hands. What's he doing jumping? I mean, I don't disagree with all of these critiques, but that gum, can you at least say that when he drops it? You know what I mean? Like, Scott comes up with a huge catch over the middle on a ball that is thrown a little behind him, and it kind of sails in the air, so it's got weird timing on it, and people just want to i don't know some people lovingly want to they want so badly to say what is true that they will have no fun in, in a moment where a rookie cuz i have no expectations for rookies when when Tyreek Stevenson makes Whoa. one stop in a game where he's targeted 20 times i'm going to celebrate it cuz i expected him to give up the 20th if that makes sense mm-hmm. like i think rookies are bad the fact that Tyler Scott is stepping into dare i say it a wide receiver 2 role because when DJ Moore is not the target, Tyler or like Tyson Bajan trusts T- Tyler Scott. He That's does. his guy. That's his he Mooney, does. and that works. That's great. We get to see what Tyler Scott is in a legitimately supplementary role, and we get to see him develop in the process. I see this mm-hmm. as an absolute win. Yep. No, I I agree with you completely, and and we're seeing him like the and I and I I complain about this, you know just from a Getsy point of view, remember I, it was like two weeks ago. I said, 
they bring Mooney in and he's in that sniffer role and he's blocking yes. it. It's why it's Darno Mooney, the small, the small guy, whatever. On the first touchdown run, I believe, for Deontay Foreman, they bring Scott into that spot. And I'm like, Tyler Scott in this spot. What he does, he digs out the DB, mm-hmm. does his job, and they score touchdown. I'm just like, he's got a little, you know, that grit to him. He's he's a tough little guy. So and and on that that uh that jet sweep on third down, they can too. Mm-hmm. He cuts up field and Marcus Peters makes very little effort to try and tackle him, but he had the guts to stick it up in there to get the first down and he got it. So like he's doing all these little things. And I'm like, that's, that made, that's going to help Chicago overall win yeah. more games. And again, like the winning it, it, you, you can't really have your cake and eat it too. If all of these different players on this bears roster are getting better and the quarterback does what Tyson Bajit does and simply features his supporting cast and says, if my cast is better than you, we're going to win. Because that's effectively what he did. Would you agree with yeah. that, Nick? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He basically said, if DJ Moore is better than you, we're going to win. If Deontay mm-hmm. Foreman and this offensive line is better than your linebackers and your defensive line, we're going to win. And they were on a lot of downs. And mm-hmm. it was like within that, especially because of the Panthers pick, if the Bears end up with number one and number nine, number two and number nine, number four and number nine, so be it. Like there's, there's only so much cheering for losing that I can do because cheering for losing means somebody has to screw up. Right. Well, Chicago is going to get two good players, no matter how it ends up. Right. They, they might, they might get Harrison and a left tackle. They might get Brock Bowers and a good D lineman. Like, like we're going to get two good players, no matter how it shakes out. Right. And so within that, it's like a, a couple players that if you don't mind me featuring, did you notice that Darnell Wright played the entire game with pretty much only his right hand? Oh my God. I ain't also against Max Crosby and Crosby. Like, didn't beat him more. I was I shocked. I know. Like he is, his left shoulder is clearly hurt. Now he's got a shoulder and toe injury. If he needs to miss time, I hope the Bears are willing to sit him because I would hate so, to see a player playing as well as he is get himself so that, really hurt. I agree with you. And that leads me into let's talk about injuries quick so we can mm-hmm. kind of transition a little bit. So good news today Roshan Johnson was a full participant from that concussion which is good news because and actually i was probably more critical than i should have been darrington evans i thought had a good game Mm -hmm. uh when looking at the film but roshan johnson is much better than him so having roshan and foreman wearing down a defense was i really like that idea but Wright was a do not participant with that shoulder and toe brisker was do not participant with an illness however limited practice today eddie jackson that'd be helpful dan feeney and drum roll, surprise, Braxton Jones was a limited participant today, and he is eligible to come off of IR if he's good enough with that neck. And you could see, Robert, where they're like, hey, if Braxton can come back and play left, mm-hmm. Borm can go back to right, and we could just rest Darnell right with that shoulder and let him heal up. I would love that. I really would, because now he's got a shoulder and a toe injury. Like, they right. listed him for both and said he's DNP. And I mean, like you're saying, you, you already mentioned this. It's amazing how competitive Wright was as a pass protector, oh. given that he didn't have an inside move. Like, he had no protection there. He's literally, Bears fans, you can go back and watch. I'm not kidding. This sounds hyperbolic, but it's real. He is playing 
with his left hand state basically stapled to his hip in a passing posture, but he never uses it. His goal was to mirror with feet and then latch his right arm on Crosby's outside shoulder and effectively like legally hold him and walk him around the edge. And he was able to do that nigh on 20 times. How does it, how does it, and again, I'll say this, I don't say this often. How does an elite pass rusher like Max Crosby, because he is, not know that because he beat him inside, I think, once for mm-hmm. sure. How doesn't he be like, Oh, this is a weakness, I should keep doing this? And he didn't do it. It's got to depend on the defensive call, right? Like the Raiders have not exactly been hailed for being a phenomenally well coached team, right? Yeah. And you don't always get a two way go. Like right. the That's edge true. player sets the edge, <laughs> and the Bears yeah. were so willing to pass on first and second down. I mean. God, Nick, if you told me that Crosby was diving inside because he knew our tackle had a problem, I'm going to figure out how to run a bunch of toss draws and just right. run well, at that side. And, and, I'm, and I'm sure like he wouldn't use his left arm. He'd use it some if he had to. And then he'd probably just like lay on Max Crosby because he's got the mass. So speaking of our opponent this week, right, mm-hmm. um, I'll go through the injury report and then I've got stats, and then I've got PFF grades, and then we can kind of talk about our matchup and kind of how it'll yeah. go. So, injury report. So, I don't know if people have been paying attention, but, you know, Austin Eckler, he's back and playing, but he's not the same Austin Eckler. He's not healed from that high ankle sprain. Um, so, he's one to kind of keep, you know, be aware of. Gerald Everett, starting tight end. He's uh, a do not practice. He's... Uh, He's actually played well this year. Um, a guy I don't really mind who needs to step up with Mike Williams out on that that team. Khalil Mack, their best overall graded player, by the way, do not participate today uh, or did not participate. It was more of a rest day, I believe, though. So we'll see how that happens further in the week. This one is alarming, I think. Josh Palmer was a DNP due to a knee, and he has played... And I'll, I'll jump up here real quick to the grades. So Keenan Allen's really good. Everyone knows that. Everybody 82 knows that. PFF grade. Palmer's a 68, which is good, above average. And then Johnston, the first-round pick, has been disappointment at a 56. If Palmer can't go, and, I mean, Everett's a DMP. He's a 67 at tight end. And Eckler's banged up. And that changes the offense. Is Al- Allen is still playing, right? Allen, yeah. I mean, you got Allen, but like then you just focus on Allen, just like last week. It's just all Adams. Right. And I mean, I think it's hilarious that you say focus on it because that's one of the other things I think about this Bears defense that is still frustrating. The Bears defense will allow the other offense to dictate the terms, right? Like the Bears offense didn't bracket Devontae Adams. They just waited for them to screw up a pass to Devontae Adams, which actually they did more than once. So kudos to personnel like Tyreek Stevenson. Kudos, thank you, Devontae Adams, for running a couple of routes that I don't think would be, uh, you know, Devontae Adams' seal of approval routes once no. he sees them. And, and thanks for dropping a touchdown. Yeah, thanks for dropping a touchdown, Devontae. <laughs> you know, so you know the other thing that I was a little surprised when looking at this team in terms of just grades, and I have a bunch of stats we'll get into, but just since I'm on the grades now, they're all line. Robert is way worse than I thought. Yes. So, so Rashawn Slater, stud, left tackle, 75 grade. Um, maybe some bear sense will remember, right? So the center used to be Corey Lindsley that came from Green Bay. He's done for the year. He's not playing anymore. Right. So I'm briefly just going to say the number grade. And again, we talked about this early, one of our first pods, but a 60 is like, 
bare minimum what you want, like average type of player. Mm-hmm. So left guard to, to right tackle, there's 60, 50.7, That's not a good old line. Do you have the Bears left to right comparisons? Ooh, I'll, I'll get it for you. Pull them up while I rant because sure. I'm going to talk about this. This happens to every fan base, Nick. And the Bears, so everybody convinces themselves that they have the worst offensive line in football. Everybody says, how could our offensive line be better than the uh, than our opponent's offensive line? Uh, because it looks like this. Like, Los Angeles is a great example of a worse offensive line than Chicago. The Jaguars right now are a great example of a worse offensive line than Chicago. Honestly, the piecemeal offensive line that the Packers are putting out at times is not getting what Chicago's getting. Now, a lot of this hinges, Nick, off of the Bears' run blocking better. Because believe it or not, it's been their run blocking that has massively tanked their offensive line grades because their pass blocking has been shockingly clean. Most offensive lines, you can't take a sack five and a half seconds into it, like five and a half seconds into sitting in a pocket. And this has mm-hmm. been done more than once this year for the or for Chicago. You don't normally get that opportunity. Nick. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you just weren't still standing there at past, I don't know, three and a half seconds in a lot of offensive lines. But that, that's not the design. No, but beyond not the design, I'm trying to say most offensive lines can't sustain a five and a half second pocket under any circumstance. The Bears have in a couple situations, like Tampa, if you remember back then. But it's more to say that the Bears' offensive line has been what most people would consider bad because that's the real definition of an average NFL offensive line. Would you agree, Nick? Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So so here's here's what their grades were. So we only got two games from Braxton Jones. He was a 63.2 at left tackle, which is better than every lineman besides Slater that they have. Borum's at a 50.5, which is right in so line pretty with bad because he got guy. torched in Washington, and that's, that's going to weight him badly. To, to Chase Young, who can we get? Yeah, Chase Young, can, we, can, can he come to Chicago? What, what if he... people... yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, and then Tevin Jenkins, 63.5. So he's played both guards. And also been... better than everybody on uh, Love except having Slater. Him back. Love having him Love back. Love having him yeah, back. And better than everyone but Slater. Um, Darnell Wright, 65 overall, which is better than everyone not named Slater. And he got tanked in his PFF grade because PFF had to grade his game as if he had two hands. And so it wouldn't shock me if we went into the wineback machine and his PFF grade coming into it before week six or week seven was closer to 68 and a half. I bet you. See, see, now you're going to make me dig here. here. (laughs) It was. let's, Let's look here. Oh, yeah, it was a 45 this week. Yeah, it was bad. Before, before that, it was 72, 58, 64, 60, 75, 64. So clean, yeah. really yeah, good. So, so also, like, and I'll, like the last one I'll tell you. So Lucas Patrick, the Bears' worst lineman, I would say. Right. Right. Is 50.8, which is still 0.1 better than their center. And he's playing better recently. Right. So just tells you that. They're a line. It's going to be a little bit of a trouble spot. Um, I'll since we're staying with offense here, let me give you some offensive stats. So, and I have the Bears next to them just so we have a comparison. So, 
Uh, Chargers are tied for seventh in the NFL in yards per play, 5.6 yards Mm -hmm. per play. Chicago is 5.2, which is tied for 15th. That's crazy. (laughs) Well, and that's why I have this because people like won't believe me. So I'm like, I have to put this. They've got so many explosives and at times so many few or so few plays that you end up with an offense that on a per play basis is way better than it feels sometimes. But I mean, the points don't lie. Anyways, yeah. keep going. Uh, how about the, how about this one? Quarterback passer rating. So, Chargers, they're sixth, ninety nine point five. Unsurprising. Chicago, Chicago, ninety, which is fourteenth. I'm just saying. <laughs> no one would guess that, right? Although, no, I mean, just the fields hate, and you had to play with the UDFA, and you're 14th. seriously though, Nick. That's what's so funny about this Justin Fields stuff. Let I want to know your take on this. Justin Fields is playing a game like the style of ball that he's playing is very, very friendly to stats because he oh, doesn't yes. throw bad balls like and, and he doesn't throw into tight windows. The, the whole issue is that he won't throw to somebody who should be open and therefore he's in theory taking really high completion percentage, deep shot opportunities. And DJ Moore is the best receiver in ball. On an efficiency yep. basis, he's yep. running away with EPA per target numbers, mm-hmm. like as the well, number one. And, and PFF has Justin Fields is second in any quarterback in deep ball uh, passer rating um, or grade to Andy Dalton, who only has one start. So if we want to talk about guys that have like any starts, Justin Fields right. is the top guy. Um, so keep going through rushing yards per attempt. Chicago's fifth in the NFL. 4.5, 4.8 yards per carry. And that is shocking because that includes Fields, who hasn't had the long run. No, this he year. hasn't. Um, Chargers are tied for 16th, 4.1 points per game. Yeah, this will shock people. <laughs> Chargers are tied for 11th, 24 points per game. Chicago is 13th, 22.6. They are that close. <laughs> the Bears, Which is what you think. The, the big games for the Bears, they have just scored a boatload of points 28 40 30 like these will raise your average really fast <laughs> and, yep. and it, like like that chiefs game is in that like yeah, yeah that, that's in there oh yeah the chargers um, just you know they they only scored 17 against the chiefs yeah third down percentage chicago is ninth and the chargers are 19th i'll just do the ranking so does that surprise time. you that does surprise do me. you know how it happened Last game? Chicago. I mean, not literally last game. <laughs> that game was I good. think it's because Chicago deliberately generates a lot of short third downs. Like, the way Chicago likes to run their offense when they're between the 20s, yes, they're going to hunt for big plays down the field. But when you get Fields running the ball, you're going to tr- you're blatantly trying to set up third and two. Whereas the Chargers are so throw-heavy that you're going to yeah, get yeah. into more natural third and tens. Just, mm-hmm. oh, the pass didn't work. Oh, the pass didn't work. Yep. Wait, shoot. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? And, and the run game isn't as good, so they're further. Right. Well, and, and Chicago's got the tush push going, you know, so that's going to help. They do. They've converted a lot of them, and they all mm-hmm. count mm-hmm. to which, third down which, conversion percentage. We should have the debate at some point. I'm against it, but we should have the debate at some point. Not, not today. <laughs> we're, we're going late tonight. So um, red zone percentage, so that's the percentage of times that you're converting, uh, getting in the red zone to a touchdown. Um, Chicago is tied for eighth. Uh, Chargers are sixth. Points per drive. Chargers are sixth in the NFL. Chicago is 10th. Wow. Look at the offense go. Maybe uh-huh. Getsy isn't bad. Don't go there yet. 
<laughs> oh wow, wow, hot taken. So do you want to talk to all a little those bit about- numbers? Listen to all those numbers and tell me that the OC running that is automatically just awful. That's actually just really hard data to argue with. I know it is. I <laughs> know, know what I'm saying. I know. Do you want me to to jump into defense for both, and then we'll talk about the games? Do you want to go defense for both, or do we want to? I you might as well. You might as well because right, you did offenses and now you right, do yeah. defenses. Right. Yeah. Okay. So defensive stats. This isn't as friendly, you know. So so I'm going to preface. So remember, we just talked about how Chicago was ball in the last three games, but that's that's kicked into all of this. So yards per play, Chargers are 31st in the NFL. Chicago's 23rd. Blitzing percentage. So often do you blitz. Um, Chargers are 27.8% of the time. Chicago's 23% of the time. And 27.5 is like right in the middle-ish. Mm-hmm. It's like middle-low. Yep. Hurry percentage. Uh, Chargers are 29th. Chicago's tied for 24th. Uh, pressure percentage includes hurries, knockdowns, and sacks. Um the Bears rank 29th, not surprisingly. Chargers are 26th. So they're they're not getting there. No, they're not often. balling. <laughs> no, no. In which, which I mean, I, I didn't go over the PFF grades. I could if you want for defense, but like Khalil Mack's doing well. Joey Bosa's not being what you think he would be. And they've got that rookie, Tui, uh, Tuli Tui Palopo, who mm-hmm. has played really good ball. Uh, yep. and, but like any rookie, he comes and goes. And I mean, right. It doesn't help anything. I'm serious, man. Everybody keeps making a lot of these edge rushers out to be these utter killers. A lot of edge rushers struggle when you chip them really hard. And the yep. Bears, to use an example, chipped the snot out of Max Crosby. And he as did they not have, like as you should have. And so it sounds to me like a lot of the offenses are just chipping the snot out of Cleo Mack, which is exactly what they should do this week. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um Quarterback rating allowed. The Chargers are 31st in the NFL, allowing 105.6. That is horrendous. It is horrendous. Uh, Chicago's 26th, so and they're at 98.2. Like that's bad, but 105. I take that, and that's that's the average of every game. Like that's crazy. Um, like I talked about early in the pod, rushing yards per carry allowed. Chicago's tied for first. The Chargers are tied for 13th. Third down percentage, Chicago's bad. They're 31st in allowing, and the Chargers are 10th. That one surprised me a little bit. Fourth down percentage allowed, Chargers are 31st, which that's bizarre to me. You're 10th? That is, really, that is really weird. And then you're 31st in fourth down, whatever. Chicago's tied for 26th in fourth down percentage. Red zone percentage, Chicago's 31st. Touchdowns allowed when you get in the red zone, which is shocking for the last three games, but I guess they just don't allow them to get in the red zone. Um, and the Chargers are tied for 17th. Uh, and then my last one is points allowed per drive. The Chargers are 29th in the NFL, and Chicago is 26th. Man. And what's really weird, for what it's worth, is that I just pulled up the schedule. And looking at the Chargers' schedule is a really funny experience, right? Because yeah. let me name who they've played. For instance, they played the Dolphins. They played the Titans. The Titans hung 27 points on him, which is pretty shocking if you ask me. Okay. The, yeah. They played the Vikings with Justin Jefferson. They played the Raiders. They played the Cowboys, and they played the Chiefs. A lot of those teams are a lot better than everybody but the Chiefs that the Bears have played on their schedule. But all mm-hmm. the same, the, the rate at which they're giving up points 
it kind of has you wondering. And I mean, Nick, I'm not going to pretend that I was able to watch the world's most tape uh, on the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. But let's yeah. start with when the Bears have the ball. Does that sound good to you? Sure. It feels to me like this Chargers def- or this Chargers defense likes playing soft. They like those shells, those quarter shells, the two high shells. That's what Brandon Staley believes in. And I'm not saying that favors Bajan, but for somebody who wants to throw the ball short and make fewer mistakes, I have little doubt that the Bears are going to work to try to open Bajan up because if I had to guess, they know it's not going to work forever. But if they can keep things on the ground, if they can quick screen them to death, play death by a thousand cuts football, I think the Bears would be down to do it. They ju- they're just going to wait for the Chargers to do something about it. And the problem is, if you've seen what I've seen, Nick, this Chargers defense is really vulnerable to the big play. It's not that you can get yards on them on command. It's that guys will just break loose. And if I was the Chargers, God, you better have a pr- you better have a plan for number two because nobody has been eating chunkier plays better than DJ Moore or has other than maybe Tyreek Hill. And I really stand on that. Like yeah. it's easy to overrate these guys or it's easy to overrate Bears players as Bears fans, but DJ Moore has been that good. And yep. if the Bears are going to compete on offense, in my opinion, they've got a chip Khalil Mack. I think it can be done, to be honest. They mm-hmm. they probably need to get the ball out fairly quickly, and they got the right quarterback in the game to do it. They're going to need to expand on the run game that they started with last week, where they were running duo wrap, they were running toss crack, they were running toss out, they ran draws, they ran stuff up the gut. Like, man, they, they ran everything. It's fun when they do that. By the way, mm-hmm. where was that in week one? I'm going to keep complaining about it. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> where was the tush push in week one? Where Where was it? Anyways. You convert the first drive. You don't give them that points. You would, uh, whatever. Right. So, so it, kind of, I agree with you. So I want to talk a little bit about just the, their PFF grades on defense. Cause I think that it leads to what we would be able to do offensively. So right. we talked about Khalil Mack, 86.9, just elite, like stud. Um, their next best guy on defense is Asante Samuel Jr. 76. Pretty good. Yep, yep. Not bad for a corner. So that's that's their one DB. So the their next best DB. <laughs> their one <is> a, DB. <laughs> well, the, yeah, they have one. Their backup safety, who I counted, who's filling in, is a 62.8. That's the only person above a 56 in that secondary. Michael Davis, the other corner, is 46. Their nickels of 46. Derwin James, everybody, who we've heard all about, has not been Derwin James for years he's at a 55 and then their d line joey bosa we talked about he's at a 68 which is just above average ish they've got two other 60s starting on that d line and 61 and a 60 then they've got their justin jones okay on there austin johnson 31.9 oh no what's his snap percentage how many snaps is he playing he's the starter oh no he's bad linebackers one guy will be familiar, Eric Kendricks. He's got I a like 70. Him, but he's old. Yeah, not too bad, but he's old. And then okay, you got, but he's playing well. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. Good for him. And then you got Kenneth Murray, who former first-round pick out of Oklahoma, I believe, mm-hmm. or second-round pick. He's at a 54. So like, you got really four guys that are like, so you got Elite, Joey Bosa, above average, Kendricks, Samuel, and then you've got 
couple guys that are like 62 to 60, and then the rest are bad. Like, this is not a very good defense. It's kind of the theme of the whole team, isn't it? That like the Chargers have these eye-popping studs, and then they are a studs and duds org. Everybody else is just not there, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of this, I mean, PFF, for instance, is going to score you when things go wrong. So I'm sure there are defensive reasons that things are going wrong. But also, Brandon Staley does not seem like he is a stabilizing force on the defense. And they keep trying new things. There are two ways to to obviously handle like when defensive stuff is going wrong. You can buckle down, try to get better at the basics, basically keep polishing the plan you yep. were working on. That's the direction Matt Eberflus is going. Credit to him. Again, we've played Brian Hoyer. We've played a Kirk Cousins team with where they're Number one wide receiver was KJ Osborne. Like, it, oh, Jordan Addison was there and he balled out last game. Oh, I know. I'm not trying to take that away from Addison. He's a rookie. I yeah. always forgive the rookies, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. within that, it's like the the Bears haven't exactly been playing banged offenses, but they have been delivering defensive results. Whereas it feels like the Chargers, I have seen them playing more one high stuff. I've seen them playing man looks. They seem like they're trying things. And in trying things, the Chiefs were able to break some long ones, like Mm -hmm. where they just caught a DB one on one with a guy, a matchup they like. And I mean, it's don't you feel it? Don't you feel it coming, Nick? Not that the Bears are going to win, but like as Tyler Scott's usage bubbles and bubbles and bubbles and bubbles, we're going to get Tyler Scott breaking a tackle, former running back. And breaking off a long chunk I, at some point, right? All right, I'm going to say this, okay? I'm predicting this game, either Tyler Scott or Darno Mooney are going to have a big play, like a 40-yard play right. or longer. Man, that would be that would be big. Because I'll and tell that's you, a Bayesian. man, this, this Chargers team and the defense is a big reason for it. Like, the offense and the defense seem like they cannot – win at the same time <laughs> yeah. right mm-hmm. like when the offense goes cold the defense gives whatever lead they got back like perfect summation this chargers team has the talent to go blow for blow with the kansas city chiefs which it's suffice to say the bears did not do that uh in their game against the chiefs 17 no. to 17 score rescore score answer score answer and then the offense went cold the defense gave up 24 to 17 like just that one score and it just the game just sat there for a very long time where then the defense got it under control but the offense couldn't move the ball they end up losing a i'm not gonna use the word pathetic that is super not fair but they end up losing a bummer of a 16 to 31 game because it promised so much and delivered another loss they are a two and four team for a reason well, like, I mean, I mean, I mean, but also like if you look, so they, so it's 31 to 17, they lost last week to the Chiefs. They lost 20 to 17 at home to the Cowboys. So again, two really good teams, really good teams. They beat the Raiders the week before by how many? By seven mm-hmm. at home. They beat the Vikings at Minnesota. By no worries, four. man. They had that easy game though against the Titans. How'd they do in that one? Lost by three. They lost. Then <laughs> They went to overtime and they lost. I mean, then they lost the shootout to start the year against the Dolphins, but like anybody would such a very inconsistent team. Mm -hmm. It's a team that, I mean, look, pivoting a little bit, Justin Herbert's a beast and everybody knows it. Like he is 
I, I don't want to say he's the incarnation of Philip Rivers because that's like not fair, but it is funny seeing the powder blue bolt uniform and another quarterback that loads the stat sheet that has crazy talent. And for some reason, man, his team cannot win ball games. Like, like is like, and this is, I, I'm not trying to be hot takey, but just a way to compare him. He's, he's very similar. I think to like Dak Prescott where you're like, this guy's talented and the team shows promise sometimes. And then they just fall off a cliff. Other times you're like, how did this even happen? Totally. And I mean, I, the th- I think Herbert's awesome. Like mm-hmm. objectively, I'm not trying to put him in a bottle. It is just weird from somebody who's a huge fan of his game, seeing him now go through two offensive coordinators, like the, the head coach is going to get fired. And so that'll be his third head coach. He, he like, could be the DC for Chicago next year. He could be. Everybody everybody really wants that. I don't know if we want Brandon Staley as a defensive coordinator. He was amazing at the Rams. Yeah. who would uh, Nick, you would have been amazing with the Rams. You had Aaron Donald on your front. Like Robert, prime Aaron Donald. Come on. No, I'm don't, t- don't I'm, tell people about my talent. I am half playing. It's more I to say that like I know you are. No, no, what I'm really trying to get at, Nick, is there are a bunch of these defensive coordinators that we will give a lot of credit because they were able to identify a game wrecking player and then that player wrecked the game. What no, made Matt Eberflus's scheme work? Uh DeForest Buckner. Well, he also I mean, had Grover Stewart. And they had Jalen Ramsey, too. Exactly. Like, and like, they had okay, John Johnson. And they had, like, they had Leonard Floyd. Say what you will. But, like. Michael Brockers, I think. Yeah, they, they didn't they trade for Von Miller? Like, at, at oh, one yeah. point, too? Like, yeah. they built a defense with dudes on it. And yeah. I'm not saying that it. this is a similar problem that we actually saw in 2018 and then 2019 with Vic Fangio, right? Where it's, like, the Fangio scheme without dudes doesn't really like work. Whereas the Fangio scheme no. with dudes. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, the 2018 defense was like legendary and I hope it's remembered because it was that good. Oh, but yeah. a lot of defensive schemes are let's bring the floor up. That is what the bears are trying to do when they coach it. Well, that's this, this defensive scheme doesn't have a floor when you no. run it badly, you get roasted. Well, so, so a couple other things for this game for people just to be aware of. So Staley is big into analytics and things. So like that Raiders game that we're talking about, that was not Jimmy Garoppolo starting. <laughs> that was the Aiden O'Connell game starting. And oh yeah, you should. I remember that. twice. This is the one that this is the one that cost me money, Robert Vanduul. So the the Chargers are up by a touchdown. And they go for it on like their 40. He is big into going for it on fourth down, no matter what. They don't convert. The Raiders drive down and throw a pick inside the 10. The Chargers drive. Oh, no. They turned it over on their own like 25 going for it on fourth down. Oh, rip. Then, then, the, then the Raiders <laughs> threw a pick. And then they have to throw a bomb on third and 10 in their own like 30 to convert. And then they ran out the clock. Like they're, they're, they will go for it a lot. And and they're not afraid to do it. And also, Justin Herbert is hurt. People don't know he's got a splint. He has like a broken finger on his oh, non-throwing hands. Yep, <laughs> and I, that might be affecting them some too. And that's the thing here, Nick. Like the Bears are last I checked nine and a half point dogs. Like Vegas hates them in this yep. game. And I just can't help but sit here and look. And here's exactly what I'm trying to say: the Bears in this last game they played against the Raiders showed that they may have turned the corner not to being a good team but to being a normal not great NFL team that if you don't play well then 
they will let you beat yourself, right? And unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately for people who are like really tired of the Bajent discourse, Tyson Bajent is about to play not only a bad defense where grinding them on the ground may totally work. Like these are not stud defensive tackles that are going to push. And need Roshan back. Like, well, they need Roshan back, but Deontay Foreman is a battering ram of a human being. And so if like you get Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis is on IR, right? Yeah. So, well, uh, no, he, I don't think they IR'd him. He just did not practice. He just didn't practice. Maybe, to, uh, who knows? I'm not going to make any assumptions. But no. if we see week seven Cody Whitehair, who looked like the sprightliest Cody Whitehair I've seen in a long time, if we see angry Lucas Patrick, if we see angry Tevin Jenkins, and we see whatever we can get out of Darnell Wright, maybe this offensive line is able to move the ball a little bit. Well, it, hold on, Robert. Chicago can win this game. It really can't. That's where you're. That's where you're going to. They can now. I don't think it's the most odds. I don't think it's probable, but I think it can happen. It's not like a well, you know, if if miracles happen here, here, and here, they'll they'll win the game. If they play a solid game, and the Chargers don't go lights out, they're going to win the game. That's the thing, though. That's the caveat you need. Is mm-hmm. the Chargers are known for charging these situations and that's good and bad. Good and bad. And if the Chargers charger this, absolutely Tyson Bajan could have the ball in his hands with an obnoxiously long two and a half minutes to like go get a winning field goal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. this, the Chargers don't seem like the, the, the cardiac Chargers, if you will, like don't play blowout games. Every game is at least visually interesting for, for other people. Maybe that's how they're trying to win fans. Right. I mean, I mean, they haven't they won by nine and a half this year. They've won by four and by three. No. And Justin Herbert against the Bears defense. Yeah, I don't like their odds either. But also the to to win on offense, your receivers need to beat the opposing corner. And here's the problem, man. Like, Nick, let's go through the Bears recent schedule. Right. Say what you will about the quality of the offenses that we just talked about. Tyreek Stevenson's gotten some pretty good reps against some pretty good receivers. Like Tyreek Stevenson had to man up uh, Terry McLaurin. Then he got a little week off and then he just played Devontae Adams for an entire week. You tell me, who do you think is the more dangerous receiver? Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams. Adams. I tend to think you're right. I mean, think early in the year, he had to deal with Mike Evans just owning him. He learned a lot. And you're telling me that Keenan Allen, yes, he's a very technical receiver, but also he's a big dude who leans on people. You're telling me that's like a good matchup against a corner that at this point is scrapping like with every bit of physicality that he's able to bring and way springier than people realize. Man, if the Bears just man up the Chargers, I'm not saying they will win. I'm not crazy, but you may see Justin Herbert have to make eight throws on a drive to go get into field or to get deep into field goal range with a shot at a touchdown instead of just like three. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel I can't help but feel like the Bears defensive game plan basically just has to be to not let the Chargers get chunks on you. Like wait until they run the ball and jump on them when they do. Well, and I think it's gonna be interesting to see how the injury report finishes here. If Braxton does come back if if Brisker's out with the illness, that would suck. If if they lose Everett or Palmer, 
I mean, that's truly, and, and Eckler's not 100% yet. Maybe he's going to be 100% this game. He hasn't Maybe. been yet. But but if, if really it's only Keenan Allen and Herbert playing with a bunch of Jalen Guyton type guys, like I I think it's Darius Davis. Like Does a cat named Parham, right? Well, Donald Parham is like a 6'7 tight end. Here, let me go through their, their guys. So they have, so Quentin Johnston, Josh Palmer, Keenan Allen, um, Darius Davis, and Simi Fioko are the receivers and right. then title Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, who's huge, uh, Trey McKitty, who's a third round pick a few years ago, didn't do much, and Stone Smart is his name, tight end. That's a cool name. I, yeah. I like I Stone Smart seems like the kind of guy that you could just automatically get along with. Like yeah. that's a cool dude. Uh if you were going to go through and you were going to pick, you can pick up to two because I'm feeling generous. Two defensive matchups of the game. What are you looking at? Um, I mean, I think it would be, I would say Jalen Johnson, Keenan Allen would be the nice one, but I'm not. I'm going to go different. I'm going to say TJ Edwards versus Austin Eckler because I think if the Chargers win this game, I don't think it's going to be these crazy plays down the field. I think no. it's going to be Austin Eckler like got 12 receptions. Right. And you could add in Edmonds into this too, but like those two limiting that I think is going to be huge for them. And then our boy, can Andrew Billings just own that interior offensive line? Man. That is just trash. Two if he can get ups. movement, he can get pressure. He can disrupt. I think it's really going to cause those. You talk about third and tens to happen, third and twelves. And I think that's really going to help Chicago's odds. I agree with you. Now, like you said, you you talked about Jalen Johnson versus Keenan Allen. Here's the problem. The Bears are letting any offense line up their guy against wherever they want to. So one of my matchups has to be this game will go as Tyreek Stevenson goes. If Tyreek Stevenson gives up 150 yards, just like he did against Tampa, we will lose. Like yep. the, the Bears will get smoked on offense unless yep. their offense is cooking. Separate conversation, right? Mm -hmm. But I got to tell you, Tyreek Stevenson is is standing up to a baptism by fire. This is why I think anyways, Nick, everybody needs to remember just how bad rookie DBs are because after week three, I think it was after maybe it was week five of 2022, Kyler Gordon was by any statistical measure, the worst corner in football. And yep. then he got better, but going all the way back, people thought Jalen Johnson was a little bit of a disappointment until around week eight, he turned a corner Tyreek Stevenson looks to me like he is turning a little bit of a corner. And I don't think it's going to last. I, I don't think it's going to be on every down. Like, don't tweet at me if he gives up a catch or two. Because Tyreek's <laughs> at what Tyreek's doing is he's a batter that's gone up to the plate. And he said, he's going to throw me a slider. I will take as many pitches as I have to take and foul off as many fastballs as I need to foul off. Because eventually he's going to throw me a slider. With Devontae Adams, the slider was the slant. Why yep. did Devontae Adams get so open on that route on the end zone? Because Adams threw him a slant bank and yep. then turned it into a fade. That was a sweet route, and it caught Tyreek Stevenson leaning. But Stevenson is an anticipator. Like, he's got all of the core traits of a DB that isn't just competitive, but eventually pretty doggone good. So how much of that do we see in this game? The game will that, – that'll determine a lot. The other one well – Oh, I hear. Can I kind of lean into that? Because you oh, were yeah. a little bit on Stevenson. And so 
if if Bears fans haven't seen some of the tweets going out about Jalen Johnson's stats this this they're week, outstanding, awesome, awesome, and like please, Ryan Poles, pay the man, make us feel good, have, pay him have or trade him, not, just don't let that man walk for free. Like, but, but Kyler Gordon last week, oh, oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, film looked good. I look over your my PFF grade. He was a 71.3 last week. Kind of balling. So if you're the Chargers, right, and you got to put Keenan Allen anywhere, you're picking Stevenson. So I'm, I'm leaning into yours because you're like, I don't want to go against Gordon. I sure as heck don't want to put him against Jalen Johnson, who's balling. So to me, my my plea, because you know Matt Eberflus listens to our podcast. Oh, yeah. He, obviously, every week. It's his guilty pleasure because we're not super positive about him. But no. <laughs> he's got a... <laughs> I like, I like, it's a guilty pleasure. It's amazing. Please, please, please bracket Keenan Allen when he goes against Stevenson. Have him over the top. You know and he's then just not going to be as, as aggressive as he wants to be. You know he's not going to. He's going to leave well, him I know, out there. Please do it. Please. <laughs> the good news is, seriously, like Stevenson has been getting baptized by receivers for weeks. And I am a huge believer that that L he took 150 some odd yards against uh, Mike Evans put him in a puncher's mindset. And now we're seeing you can you can rip off big gains against Tyreek Stevenson. You really can because he's yep. going to take about half of your passes away from you. And so mm-hmm. the the half he gives back, that's up to you. You want a 10 yard quick out? You, you can have it. You want a 40 yard ball downfield? Teams have tried for two weeks. They just haven't connected. Herbert might be that dude. There's another name we have to mention. You mentioned TJ Edwards. Great choice. I'm going to pick his partner. This is the game. We are at it. We don't have a play-action passer that's trying to attack the middle of the field. We have a bullet thrower that tries to attack the middle of the field. Like, if Tremaine Edmonds was ever going to have a game where he needs to just take up a massive amount of space in coverage, this is that game. Like, either, if I was just... Being real with you, man, if I was the Chargers offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, I would be trying to get Keenan Allen, probably with a size advantage, on uh, Kyler Gordon. And like you mentioned, not wanting Kyler Gordon. Kyler Gordon's played really well against smaller receivers. If we could get Keenan Allen on Kyler Gordon, we might like that. But then the Bears won't drop into man. Then the Bears are going to drop into zone because they want Tremaine Edmonds on, as ridiculous as that sounds, on a guy like Keenan Allen playing zone coverage so that you can try to have the huge dude take space away so that you can try to have the huge dude try to cut off some of these tight ends. This is his moment. We finally ran into a team that doesn't even want to run the ball. (laughs) Tremaine. Not good at it. Tremaine, this is you. This is you, dude. Like, I'm telling you, I'm not calling it. I'm not calling it. But if the Chargers charger this game, you will know they are going to because Tremaine Edmonds will pick off. Does he have three in a row? Am I insane? Like uh, this would make three in a row. Game. Like he it picked off. Row, yeah. He picked off a tipper against uh, Kirk Cousins. He picked off a tipper yeah. against Brian Hoyer. And three in a row will be something. this time he would jump it. Like this time you would get the slightly stereotypical like Herbert's under pressure because our dancing bear number 97 penned into the backfield and then Herbert lets go of the ball and it'd be I think it'd be 49 who'd jump in front of a tight end route of some kind and wow. Bears fans would just lose their minds like yeah. but that's that's my 
like imaginative call that if they, the other thing, I'm just going to say it. If the bears win this game. Okay. So before we get to offensive matchups, I guess I'm going to, I want to hit you with a hot take, Nick. If, if the bears win this game, any fan that wants to see Matt Eberflus fired is in danger of not getting their wish because this is a game that they shouldn't win. But if you win this one, then six-ish wins gets a lot more likely. Like, if you want Matt Eberflus fired, I'm just going to tell you right now, you probably want the Bears to lose an emphatic 14-31, to like on primetime television. That would be this, like, reminder. That would be a metaphorical pat on the shoulder. No, this isn't working, George. Like, Mm -hmm. and he would remember that. But if the Bears are spicy, Nick, like... I'm not going to buy back in. I don't like the scheme, but you will have to tip your hat to a coach that outcoached the guy across from him because yep. he'll do it off of roster talent and with a backup quarterback. And that will that will mean something to the yep. guys in the org. You know what I'm saying? Mm, no, I, I agree with you completely. And that's the thing is like <coughs> the Bears are at a tipping point because they, they've been close. They've won two out of the last three. Should have been three in a row, but you win this one. They should have won four out of their last five. No, I know they should have won three. five out of their last five. No, no, five, five. Uh, Does Kansas five City. take me back too far? Five is Kansas City. Oh, I'm trying to go back to Denver, so I guess it's four. Like they, Maybe. they should have closed Denver. They did win Washington. You think Minnesota. like they should have closed Minnesota? Yep. They did win Raiders. So you're right. That should have been. Man, this team mm-hmm. could be six and one, and they wouldn't have to be good. Like, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> they could be such oh. a paper tiger six and one oh. team. Our pod's getting really long. I'll go offensive <laughs> matchups, then we gotta go predictions. We gotta be out. Yeah. So, my offensive matchups are going to be probably different ones than people might expect. I'm going to go with a little bit out there ones, but I think if we win these ones. You're going to know Chicago is winning the game because these guys are on the field. Okay. Here's one that's a little surprising, but will make sense. Mercedes Lewis helping on the DNs. Oh, wow. Pastro, right? And the run game where he's going to, he's going to chip down and get down to Kendricks and those backers, him. And then my other one, which I I, I could, I could cheat and put them together, I guess, would be Kari Blast game doing the same thing. He's in that run game because. If Chicago's going to win this game, we're going to lean on the run game and we're going to have 35 carries and we're going to beat the crap out of the Chargers. So I would say like that's like one matchup, okay? And the other one is bad versus bad. It's going to be our center and our left guard against their bad interior D linemen. And we can't be worse than them. If we are better than them and make them look bad, we got a shot. If they're playing games and twists up front and we're looking like how we, we have looked before last week, we're not going to win. It's unironically a huge matchup and really apt that you point that one out, if you ask me. like That's that's a great call where you look at two bad units and you say, oh no, we can't yep. be the worst one. Like It's got to go better than that. Dude, Robert, that's why people listen to this. This isn't a fantasy football podcast. Nah. And- 
DJ Moore versus Asante Samuel, and like this, nah. we're, we're not highlighting that. So we're talking about the, the the gritty stuff. Let me get Chicago meta. has to win that trench matchup. Let me get meta as hell. Okay, Tyson Bajant versus the moment. Say what you will, call Ooh. it storybook. Tyson Bajant has now won a game, which is awesome. Gives him a lot of momentum, but also, uh, it's one thing to hit a home run, then you get your next at bat. And people lean in a little bit further. You know what I'm saying? Like, now there's a full game of tape. Say what you will. Again, say what you will. We got a game and a half to break down. Generally speaking, if you've ever wondered why a player can burst on the scene, play two sick games, and then just goes quiet and disappears. What happened? Jordan Love? Right. You get tape. Now you know how to play these guys. Right? I have no doubt in my mind. Tyson Bajan is going to get asked to adjust in this game. I don't know what that's going to mean. It could mean, I'm just saying, that he runs for 70 yards. Like, it could mean that mm-hmm. he it, he throws the ball to literally just some of the open smash routes, like the highs on the high-low routes that were wide open last week. It could mean he lofts some underthrown balls to DJ Moore that the guy comes down with anyways. It doesn't, I, I don't really care how it's done. I'm not expecting style points, but Tyson Bajan, like, man, prime time football. Like, you go from I mean, playing. I mean, prime time. If he wins, the Bears win, but he's the quarterback against Justin Herbert in prime time on the road. It's huge. Like, you win that game, you are probably <laughs> going to be the starter until you lose. That's another hot take. Like, wow. Tyson Bajan wins this game. I don't. I think the Bears would find ways to just lengthen Justin Fields' injury recovery, if that wow. makes sense. That's, like that is a hot take. I. This is the coaching staff trying to find ways to excuse an awful September. And if you're telling me, Nick, that they wouldn't go, oh, you mean the quarterback that um we that lost 14 games last year and then he lost he, five games this year? We 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 can't we can't get it. That's such a big no, topic. It would be so unfair. To be he so just plain. threw eight touchdowns in two games before he got hurt. The game before he got hurt. And then they would go, Oh, you mean one of those games that he lost because he fumbled and the defensive touch or like and the defense got a touchdown out of it? And then you, Nick, would go, Tyson Bajic gave up a defensive touchdown that lost us Minnesota. What are you talking about? And then they'd go, Oh, you mean the game that he didn't have 50 passing yards in net? Like no, after we, the first half? We can't do it. We don't know you don't have time for this. These what's coaches your, what's your next I'm, I'm saying these coaches are gonna get ugly about it. Like maybe not publicly, but they got jobs to save, right? Yeah. And th- so, to me, like Tyson Bajant, you have gone from starting against Colorado State or Colorado School of Mines to starting against the Raiders to starting in prime time, lights on you. And is it? Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> of course, it's away, so it's your yeah. first road game. LA baby. So you're in SoFi, man. They're yep. going to be like they're going to be people you follow on Instagram on the front row. <laughs> like it's oh man, that's got to be just wild. Can't get starstruck. It's got to it, be a football Are, are you game. trying to say like Taylor Swift's going to shift to Tyson Bates? No, I'm talking about that? like the guys that live in Los Angeles, right? Like LeBron comes to these things sometimes. Yeah. Like yeah. just People that maybe he'd recognize that because, you know, they they do this every time there's an L.A. game. They just pan to Rob Lowe and then like Paul Rudd's there and Will Ferrell's there, like a a bunch of random people. 
And it's yeah. like, anyways. So matchup one, Tyson Bajit versus the moment. I loved yeah. your matchup. I'm going to just echo what you're saying, which is like Darnell Wright plus whatever tight end is assisting him versus Khalil Mack. Uh, yeah. DJ Moore versus Asante Samuel. You win that matchup, man, checkmate. Like you should be able to do whatever you want to from the past perspective. Mooney's winning against their two. And I like Tyler Scott better than their nickel at this Seriously. point. Like from a weaponry perspective, if DJ Moore doesn't, if DJ Moore draws two, cause that's what that would mean. If Asante Samuel can't stop DJ Moore, you're going to have to draw two defenders. You're going to create automatic one-on-ones and make things as close to free and easy as they're going to be for a UDFA quarterback. When you said draw two, Robert, I mean, my first thought was Uno, and then it was <laughs> drawing more coverage. But either way, it fits. So. <laughs> right. And so I'm I'm stoked for this game. I really am. This should be fun. Let's yep. get to predictions. I will lead off. I think the Bears come out <laughs> flat. <laughs> <laughs> you, what were you doing for the last half hour I know, hyping I know, this up? I know. It's because it's a sick matchup, and it could be so much. What do I actually think? I want to be on Old Takes Exposed for this, Nick, because I've watched these Bears games my whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> like, yep. I think I think Tyson has a couple moments where he grips the ball too tight. I think, t- like, we see a couple deep. I think after all this Twitter criticism, as much as we joke about it, the Bears are going to throw a couple sideline goes, the world's safest deep ball, right? And if one of them's too short, yeah. I don't know what happens. <laughs> and yeah. so yeah. we'll see. But I, if I if you actually made me predict, I think the Bears are going to probably lose. I'm going to go with 17 to like 24 in a game that doesn't feel that close. But the scoreline is going to say it all the same because the Chargers just can't quite put them away. Right. What do you think? I, I'm, I'm going to go 24-21 Chargers as well. Um, so so similar stat lines. But because I think that Chicago can can run the ball, which I think will give them a lot of scoring opportunities. Right. Um, but I do think that the advantage of having Justin Herbert at home, I mean, I mean, Bajent, I mean, even what he is, even if he's efficient, is crap versus Herbert. And, you know, you have some stars on that team. I just think it's too much to overcome two weeks in a row. So they get a bunch of scoring opportunities, but they score three touchdowns and no field goals. Or did you just predict what would that be? How many field goals is that? Seven (laughs) field goals? Like, is that is that what's the prediction? How did they that, get to that, 21? <laughs> should I just say seven field goals? Because that'd be hilarious. Like, man, they moved the ball the entire game. They never punted seven field goals. Like, they just kept no, getting I, to the 20s, stalling out. <laughs> I, no, I think three touchdowns. I think that they drive down. I mean, like like those long, sustained runs and, you know, wearing them down. And then we just can't corral them enough that they score more points than us. Right. I, I think that's super reasonable. I really think if you ask me which is more likely, the Bears get blown out or the Bears win, that it's actually the Bears winning, but the blowout's on the table. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I'm i dying to know. So we're we're taking the under. We're, we're under 9.5, right? Well, by under, you mean we're, we think they cover. Yeah, or cover. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I don't think the Chargers are a good enough team to just put the Bears away. Like, right. I think Vegas thinks the Chargers are, have a decent defense, and I don't think they have a decent defense. 
And nope. so like Brandon Staley, I don't know. We could, we could keep talking about rationale, but the truth is Nick, this is a huge prove it game for the it HC is. and the QB, because if they want to, this is their moment to say to their doubters of which there are plenty of us that are, that mm-hmm. we aren't, I am not who you think I am. And mm-hmm. if Matt Eberflus's team comes out locked in on the road and takes this game away, man, like I'm not saying that they've got some momentum, but that would be a statement well, right yeah, before we, New then Orleans. It's, then it's at New Orleans. Then it's home short week Panthers. And then it's Lions, Vikings, Lions, Browns, tough. Cardinals, Falcons, Packers to end, which is easy. So then you've got, yeah, you've got two. I mean, you got it. You got a shot, but this is, you got to do this. If you don't do this, then it's all oh, the bears who we thought they were. Denny green quote. Yep. Hey, what are your final thoughts on the game? I am excited for a lot of this talent that has shown through. I'm excited for Jalen Johnson to show out. I'm excited for some of these other weapons to show out. I'm excited for Tyson Bajan. Like we're believing in him. Tevin Jenkins bouncing back. Like there's a lot of hope for this team and win or lose. I'm just, I'm just hoping that the bears play well. And those guys can keep kind of extending that progress that they've already made. Hell yeah. I'm right there with you. If you're telling me that Eddie Jackson tries to play on his foot, can't play on his foot. Jaquan Brisker gets hurt and Elijah Hicks just keeps getting smoked by Justin Herbert, and that's why the Bears lose in a tough competitive game, I would argue that is like the best case scenario. Like mm-hmm. for the future of the team, that's probably the best case scenario. Yep. But that's because that's because I want a coaching change. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate your support. Please leave us, leave us a review on whatever podcast listening platform that you listen on. If that's YouTube, leave us a like. If that's Spotify, hit us with a five-star review. If it's Apple Podcasts, leave us something nice. Uh, let us know in the comments, in our Twitter DMs, in anything, what you're enjoying about this Bears podcast. Tell your friends. It is relatively new. We want to blow this thing up. We would love to do this full time. So if we can get this thing moving, we'll sell a sponsorship. And Nick and mm-hmm. I will actually be able to spend that much more time. Probably add an extra podcast. Hey, I'm going to oh, throw yeah. you guys a bump. Like, if we're able to do this full time, like, we're going to do minimum three, maybe up to four podcasts a week. But mm-hmm. anyways, that's all a dream for the future. We really appreciate it. Nick. What you got going on for the rest of the week? Um, so as I was very, very close on DFS this week, so oh, the contrarian man. thing is still working. Yeah, there you go. I'll just, I'll just, you know, quick shout out that Cooper Cup was on all my, all my rosters, and he didn't do a whole lot this week. If him or Rip. Stafford did something, I would be up probably four figures. So, um. I would look out for that article. And then on Friday, I will be releasing a Tyson Bajant every pass play video. There you go. And see, I'm going to post this podcast on Thursday morning, and I'm going to get some sleep because <laughs> we have a big game coming up on Sunday night, and Sunday nights always mean late-night podcasts and late-night work. So it mm-hmm. should be an awesome Awesome Sunday night week coming up. We've also got some big games coming up in the world of the rest of the NFL. Big games for the Bears too, but that's a topic for another time. And until next time, Bears fans, thanks so much for listening. Bear down. Thanks so much for bearing with us.